Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or Zepbound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. From the Apostrophe Podcast Network. One, two, three. They all come from unknown north. Talent and drive and a pride worth paying for. But just because they're above the 49 parallel, it doesn't mean we shouldn't celebrate them just as well. So give it up to these Canucks, because our self-promotion sucks. And if they all went away, you sure would miss them. Canadian Star System. Oh, hello and welcome back to the Canadian Star System, the podcast where we shine the spotlight on Canadians known around the country and around the world. And then they shine their spotlight on another Canadian that we should know more about. I'm your host, Steve Patterson. It's a special day to me today because it's Thursday. With me is my co-host who also likes Thursday, Diana Francis. Hi, Diana. Hello, Steve. I definitely love Thursday. I don't want to uh, dwell too much on it. Our, our guest today is in high demand and, and we don't have mm. a lot of time, but I'll ask you a quick question. Yes. Do you play any musical instrument? You know, Steve, I do not. I wish that I had learned how to play piano when I was a kid, but instead, right. as longtime listeners know... I learned how to type and I type very well. Oh, I feel like I've got I've got piano fingers, but instead I've got typing fingers. What about you? Do you play any instruments? <laughs> I don't know how you turned this question about typing. This was a, clearly a musical <laughs> instrument question and it's about typewriters now. I, uh, I don't type as fast typing. as you. I tape eight non-English words a minute. Everyone knows that. <laughs> I tried to pl- I play piano. I think we talked about that, but not very well. And I tried to play guitar once. And all I realized was that I'm supposed to play left-handed. That's how I picked it up. But it was a right-handed guitar. So I've never played anything properly on guitar. But I think I've got my own little niche. Well, I feel like there's a segue coming. <laughs> yeah, good talk. Our guest today <laughs> doesn't only play guitar. He, he's one of the most well-known, best-respected guitarists in the world, and he has certainly more guitars than anyone that we've ever spoken to. You won't have to guess who as soon as I say his name, because this man is always taking care of business. And I don't know how he has such uh, such longevity. I think it's because I'm almost sure he's eating no sugar tonight. Let's vinyl tap into this man, Randy Bachman. Hello, sir. Yay. Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for doing this. You're welcome. I have a million questions to ask you. We obviously don't have time for all of that. So I will try to ask four questions and get partial answers or something. First question is, because you're the only person we've ever spoken to with this kind of pedigree, what is the the feeling of having not only one, but multiple number one billboard hits, not just in Canada, but in the States and around the world? Does that feeling carry you through every day? Do you wake up with that mantra going, I've got a lot of hits, so whatever happens today, I've got that going for me already. <laughs> the short answer is no, I don't think about that. 
No. What I think about is the next one and doing it again. Because you got to look forward. I don't live in the past. It's there. It's nice. I celebrate it. It's great. You know, when I'm playing on stage, obviously people want to hear the hits, the, the 12 or 15 hit songs. And that's why I go. I'm not going to bore them with 12 new songs that I wrote yesterday that they don't know. I mean, I'm there to entertain. And uh, I'm working on something new all the time. It's one of the many things that makes you just a better person than me. Because I would dine out on that every day. I would have a shirt made with all my <laughs> hits on them. And I would wear, and a suit. And I would just wear it all, all the time. So kudos to you, sir, for, for the work ethic of just keeping it going. Well, my little publishing firm is called 12 Hit Wonder. So, so I, had, <laughs> I, I had six with the guests who and six with BTO. So I'm, I'm waiting to change my moniker to 13 Hit Wonder once I have my next hit with Sal. I love it. I love that you'll rename the company. I feel like you will do that. Yeah. Once you've had proven that you have the magical touch as a songwriter, as a musician, and uh, as a producer, is that a goal when you sit down to write a new song? Like, I hope this is a hit, or do you just write the best song you can and put it out into the universe and, and the universe decides? Well, let me put it this way. When you're a songwriter and you're writing, everything you're writing is a hit. In your head. <laughs> in your that. head and heart, or you wouldn't write it. You you writing and imagining people singing it. There's nothing greater. Like after this thing, I'll be driving into Victoria. My songs on the radio. I look and the guy next to me is in his truck and he's playing <laughs> drums on the dash and he's playing to let it ride or something. That's really cool. I would love that. I would love that if I was driving down the road and I was, you know, No Sugar Tonight is one of my favorite songs in the world. By the way, absolutely of one of my cool. all time favorites. And if I was driving my car and I was rocking out to that song and I looked over and saw you, I think I would probably accidentally crash right into you. Well, I'm trying to go to the people next to me. That's, that's me on the radio. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> then the light, the light turns green and we both drive away. You know. <laughs> I know you've been asked this before, but just for our listeners who, who may not know the answer and maybe the quest, maybe the answer has changed over the years, but you made such a, an impression on the American music landscape and the international music landscape. And there are, you know, many bands that are great bands that you've talked about that are massive in Canada, certainly household names in Canada, but I mean, barely have scratched the surface in the U S it's still great music. It's not, I don't think that they're just, you know, Canadian referencing everything. Is there a short answer for why that is? And do you think it's, better or worse today because i feel like you guys just put out a great song and the world was like this is a this is a great song we're going to hear more of them and it seemed like your international success led to more success in canada which we hear a lot of well i can name and i probably shouldn't about six or seven bands that are big in canada that make a big living i'm sure they're all millionaires they put yep. out an album every year and a half and they tour canada uh, i've been part with uh, of a lot of them helping them write and produce their stuff but a lot of them have a comfort zone in Canada. And you basically, you're, when you start out, you're playing clubs. Yeah. You're making, each guy's making seven, eight hundred bucks a week. And then you've got to go down to making nothing to be an opening act for right. somebody in the States. And you don't want to go and you don't go. And so you stay in, in the comfort zone. I've always gone to the edge and jumped, not fall back, but jump forward. Much of that was out of, out of necessity because when we first put out our first records, Nobody in Canada would play our records. We were just a Canadian band of a bunch of punk North End guys from the city of Winnipeg. <laughs> and who cares about that? And then when somebody, when a guy named George Struth got a song called Shaken All Over, put it out on a white label and put Guess Who under it, started a little rumor that it might be a British band with <laughs> Brian, Jones on, Brian Jones playing guitar and other, other guys playing. And they couldn't put their name on it because they were signed to other bands. And it was this great song, Shaken All Over. It went to number one in Canada. And suddenly we were called the, the Guess Who. Our real name was Chad Allen in the Reflection. So <laughs> nobody in Canada knew nobody in Canada knew that we were the Guess Who until that record. They put out 50 to 50 radio stations, went to number one. It was a, a, gold, a little gold record in Canada that was released by Scepter Records in the States. Really, really big in the States. And then we were treated as an American band. That's wow. same thing happened with BTO. They wouldn't play my next band. How is that possible? I mean, I mean, full full be once shame on you, but how is it possible that you were <laughs> the guess who wrote 
several number one hit songs and they still wouldn't play your next band. How is that possible? Is it possible that everyone in the Canadian music industry was hit with a blunt object and that's how they got the job? Because it doesn't seem possible to me that they would that they would still have you proving yourself after you've already proven yourself so many times. Well, I agree with you, but it, it, is, you. it, it is history. And that's what it was. I, we, we got, I put out two albums that got minimum airplay. There was no CanCon then, so nobody was making anybody play anything. Right. And uh, so you put out your record. And suddenly we got a call from St. Louis, Missouri. They had the first BTO album. Then you put out album cuts. There were four and a half minutes long. You didn't care about singles. Led Zeppelin put out long tracks. Yes. Yes, everybody had long things. Nobody cared about software. We were musicians. We played you know, big rock songs, like two guitar solos in each song and stuff like that, just like on stage. And we got a call from um, St. Louis, Missouri, very famous broadcaster now. He said, uh, I love your album. We are doing a rock and roll weekend just in the summer in St. Louis, where we're getting, you remember the old drive-in theaters? We're yeah. going to play three old rock and roll movies, Let It Rock, or The Girl Can't Help It, things like that, or something like that. And we want bands to come, and we're going to put a stage in front of the the drive-in movie thing. So at about six o'clock at night, when it's twilighty, you'll go on stage and play. And as it gets darker, we'll play the rock and roll movies. And we want you to come and play it for nothing. And we're in Winnipeg. And so <laughs> St. Louis is quite a drive. And so we say, well, how do we do that for nothing? So I'll make you a deal. Your album has eight songs on it. And I'll play, also play American Woman to tie you into this new band. And we'll play one of your songs every two hours for two weeks. So when you come here on stage, everybody will know every song you got. So we said, okay, we'll do it. That's an interesting deal. We went wow. there and did that. We got on stage, St. Louis. The, the little driving theater was full, maybe 1,200 cars, kids sitting all over the cars. Or maybe there was a couple of thousand kids there sitting on the cars and the roofs of the trucks. And we played there. But every song we played on the BTO one album, they knew and they sang along with. They knew already. Wow. Right. That's interesting. That spread because they had that radio station. And of course, the next radio station called Will you do this? Will you do that? And we did that. So suddenly we got calls. We played St. Louis. We got a call to go and play New Orleans. <laughs> we were playing with Charlie Daniels, who then was a rock oh band. God. Before he got picked up his fiddle, he was like two drummers, two lead guitars, the Allman Brothers. He was the same as the Allman Brothers. So we were with these guys who were ZZ Top, the Doobie Brothers, Peter Frampton, My the God. Allman Brothers, and Charlie Daniels. Even in there, even in there was rebels like Hank Williams Jr., Who's a real rebel rocker, country guy? He had all my friends are, or all my Roddy friends are coming over tonight. We all totally Southern rocked, and then suddenly out comes BTO two hmm. with "Let It Ride" and taking care of business. We get top forty play. Suddenly it's oh, come back to Canada now. We'll play right now. You. Yeah, you ain't, you ain't seen nothing yet. It's number one everywhere in twenty two countries in the world. Oh, come on back to Canada. We came back to Canada, but that's that's the way it is. You kind of got to leave home. And yeah. be invited back because when you're there, you're treat you're a chopped liver. I hate to hear that it's been that way for that long, and it still seems to be that way. Did you ever? And I I don't think you did, but I don't want to assume. Did you ever let things get in the way? Like, oh, I'm not sure we're allowed to play in America. <laughs> like, you just got you just got an invitation, and there wasn't a problem crossing the border. Did you tell them you were musicians, or did you say we're we're just going to uh, St. Louis to drink beer for a couple hours and then ended up playing no. on the stage. Do you, do you remember? Did you have all the permits? Then you had what was called a green card, which is yeah. fabulous. Yeah. Which is a resident alien card. They just crossed the border and showed the green card. We're going to work in Texas. Where are you yeah. guys going? I mean, we for any gig, we would drive anywhere. We'd get in our truck, cross the border, just below Winnipeg, and the guy would say, well, where are you going this time? We're going to Boston. Okay. He, he knew you. We're playing a pop festival in Boston. Where are you going after that? Well, we're coming home. What? You're driving to Boston, coming home? Yeah. <laughs> Next time, where are you going? We're going down to Texas. And you're coming home? Yes. <laughs> we drove to San Francisco. We drove our... That's why all of our songs in BTO were like, roll it down the highway, let it ride, four-wheel drive. We had all these... All these highway songs. They are great highway songs, now that I think about... And who... Who did most of the driving? Was it a band member or did you guys actually have a driver in the bus? No, we, we loaded our own gear. We did our own driving. We were oh. driving two or three hour shifts. Somebody always had to stay awake next to the driver and fool around with him, keep him awake, play the <laughs> yeah. radio. And the other two guys are sleeping in the back 
And every two hours or three hours when you stop for gas, you rotate. The guy who's driving gets to sleep. So then the other guy who's shotgun riding, he gets to drive. The next guy who has been sleeping, you see you rotate. So you drive endlessly. We would drive from Winnipeg to Vancouver, but literally overnight, 23, 24 hours. Wow. This, I was going to just say, this is one of the reasons why I'm so happy that Vinyl Tap is coming back because uh, listening to your stories, Randy, yeah. would like keep me in the car. I would, I would not be able to <laughs> get out of the car. I'm like, sorry, guys. I got, I got to finish, listen to the end of this story. Uh, it, it's, it's really wonderful. I'm so glad that it's coming back. That's a great segue, Diana. L- let's talk about your broadcasting hosting career, your broadcast career. Vinyl Tap, obviously, such a massive show. It's headed for a new home on the Chorus Entertainment Network now. After many years on CBC, I have some experience with having a show on CBC. <laughs> We're coming up to 15 seasons with debaters now. And I know that, you know, they made an interesting decision and you, you know, in- introduced them or provided them with all the reasons it should stay on. And they still wanted to go in a different direction. What is your takeaway of that? Because you're the only legitimately you're the only person I know that could fill a, a weekly two hour show with music and stories and never have to repeat the same story twice. There's no, no, there's no one else that can do that in this country or any other, as far as I'm concerned. So what are you left feeling with after, you know, it's not after it's, it's, you're still doing the show, but now moving to a different home. Well, first of all, I loved doing the show. I grew up idolizing DJs because when you're in a band, the DJ is your messenger. If he plays your record, on the radio, people hear it, they like it. I remember driving all the way from Winnipeg, driving into Toronto, going into Chum, which you could walk into radio stations then. <laughs> now you can't. There's, there's armed guards in there. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and, and say, here's our new single. And the guy would play it, and he'd go, not bad. And he'd play it at 11 in the morning, and you'd get three phone calls. You'd go, oh, we got some phone calls. We'll play it again in the drive shift at 4 o'clock. And then your song would get on the radio. So I love DJs. So when it came, and, and then... They would interview me and ask me questions. How did you write these eyes? How did you write American Woman? How did you write Taking Care of Business? So I had these stories like ready to tell these guys I were signed a kind of compact. But then when I had a chance to, um, when I challenged CBC when they were canceling Pinkowitz 45, which I used to listen to every, every Saturday night, and said, how can this guy retire? I found out he wasn't retired. He was retired by them right. like they retired me. He didn't retire. You don't retire from playing music. You played all the time in your car, in your house, in your head, it's everywhere. I told him, how could Danny Finkelman be retiring? And how tough is it? And they, I said, who are you going to get to replace him? They said, we don't know. I said, well, anybody can do that show. You just play music and talk. And they said, why don't you do, why don't you try, why don't you do a demo? I said, you're kidding. They said, no, why I, was, I was doing Stuart McLean at the time, you know, Violet right. Cafe. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I said to him, hey, okay, I'm, I'll do my own show. They said, you can do the 10 weeks in the summer. That, that are, you know, so we're building up for right. uh, till, till September. So I thought, well, what can I do? I'll tell my own stories, but people are sick of my stories. And I said to the guy, this was in Winnipeg, and behind it was a wall of CDs. He said, what can your show be about and be interesting? I said, go and pick every third or fourth or fifth CDs, put it on your desk. And he picked hmm. 20 of them. I said, okay, I'll tell you a story about every CD. The writer, me playing on a gig with them, the, the singer, the guitar player, I'll tell you something. And I did. He said, well, you got a show. So I did that <laughs> show for the first summer. Crazy. I lost $600 because I had to rebuy records. And I asked Stuart McLean if I could use the name Vinyl to be yeah. like Spinal Tap because he had Vinyl Cafe. He said, sure, you right. could call it Vinyl Tap. That's a great name. And when September came and my summer was over and I was done, they had a work to rule at CBC, which meant a strike. And nobody could cross the line. So they called me up and said, we can't put on a new show in September. Can we repeat your show? And I said, sure, I don't care. Am I going to get paid double? They said, no, you've already been paid. Oh, my God. So they played the show. Then they called me a month later and said, the books came out. The ratings came out. You're the number one show. Do you want to do it for the full year? And I said, what? A real J-O-V, a real job, like actually <laughs> not for fun for the summer? And they said, yeah. And I said, okay, well, I need some money because I lost money this summer. And, <laughs> That's and they said, okay. Oh, God. And uh, then it went on for 15 years and got better and better and better ratings. I had more and more tap heads. I had like eight or 900,000 sometimes in Canada. And I had uh, tap heads, TV people all over the world. And other people 
we got a lot of email from all over the world. People in igloos and little shacks up north, people in old folks' homes, Canadians who always listen to these, they listen to the debaters yeah. and all those other shows. That was their, that was their, uh, that was their line to back home, even though they're in, yes. in Japan teaching English to Japanese people or whatever all over the world. That was their link with CBC every single night. And then when the internet came, it became even more possible to get CBC everywhere you went. The nice thing now is that it doesn't have to be CBC anymore sending it out there because everyone's right. got an online element and right. it holds a great place in people's hearts. I'm happy to have a show on CBC, but I would love to get inside the brains of one of those people that makes those decisions and try to stretch it out a little bit and, and uh, develop it further because it's it's crazy to me. Somebody came in who wanted to revamp everything and yeah. and modernize it. I kept thinking, you don't modernize the CBC. People, <laughs> listen, people listen to this until they die. It's their news. It's their, right? It's their news. It's their you, young kids. But I had, I had a lot of mail from young kids because they would be listening to the show with their parents. Because the young kids are hearing this music on games now when they're gamers. Yes, All these old rock right. songs come back. And so the kids... So I would get letters from three generations, the, the grandparents, the parents, and the younger kids who were teenagers, who after my show would go and dig out all the records and play them. So I was expanding the audience, and I did. Yes, with, with, And then after me was Holger Peterson, same kind of thing. They decided to modernize it. Yeah. And then, uh, so I, that kind of broke my heart because I loved doing it. Now I'm on rock stations right across Canada. I think we're on 28. We just got eight more stations in the Maritimes. Uh, we're going to be coast to coast from Peggy Scope to Tofino. Wow. There's been two shows on now on Saturday night. They're really cool. And uh, I have a job again. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think uh, I think eventually you're going to not have to pay for your own records, Randy. I really do. I think Chorus can come through for you and maybe pay for some of those downloads. Oh, I'm I'm looking for sponsors. So, throw so are there. we, Randy. So <laughs> are we. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I have to ask you this question. I, I would be remiss if I had you on and didn't ask this question. What is the secret? to telling a great story. You're obviously one of the world's great storytellers. Can you share, uh, I don't know if it's a secret, just what you've learned over the many years you've been telling stories, both through song, through music, and now with through Vinyl Tap, actually telling stories. I actually learned it doing Vinyl Tap because I heard my first couple of shows and they were too talkative. You, yeah. When you're on, you need a kind of a cadence for your yes. talk into a nice rhythm, not too fast. You try to articulate your words so people can hear them. And it's KISS. Keep it short, simple. Try to hit the facts. And then if you get a question afterward, you can elaborate on who, where, or why you told that story. I do. I learn from learning, basically. From making mistakes, basically. you got to right. make mistakes before you learn. The first couple of shows I talked, it was like I was reading a script. Yeah. I thought, what's wrong with this? And I thought, the most intimate moments when you're, when you're at a show is when you're watching someone could be like Joni Mitchell, Neil Young, whatever. And they've got a rap in between songs. And they break a string. The rap is over. They're changing a string. They're sitting on their stool. And they start to say, well, we gotta, we're changing a string. Oh, by the way, we grew up in Saskatoon. Right. We went to this high school. And then you hear about them off of script. And that's really important. And they're playing guitar. So from the second or third show on, I sit there with the guitar and strum it. When I can't think of the word, there's no... There's no paper rustling where I'm going through the paper. I'm going through my mind. I'm hitting chords on a guitar going, oh, yeah, that was in the, the North End of Winnipeg. On, that was on Bannerman Avenue. I've heard used to live at 152 Bannerman. <laughs> I used to live at 199 Scotia. So you pull these things out of your head, but you're delaying the, 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 the pregnant pause by playing a little guitar riff and stuff. And so you, I, I kind of I learned to flow. So do you find that actually playing the music helps spark your memory? Yeah. I love that so much because uh, I have um, people with Alzheimer's. I, I'm always fascinated by how they can lose all of their memories of their family and their friends and everything that they've done in their life. But you play music and they can just, they immediately come to life. They immediately remember all of the lyrics and can sing along right. or play along. It's beautiful. I love that about music. Well, and I think that you're just, music is obviously it's so deeply ingrained in you. I don't know where the music starts and where Randy Bachman uh, begins because you're, you're, you're synonymous with that for not just your songs, but your stories, but through everyone that you've met through music and everyone that's met you or people that haven't met you, but feel like they have through your songs. And 
I love the idea that, you know, not only does everything not have to be perfect, but, you know, embrace the mistakes because they could turn into your best successes. I know you didn't say that, but that's what I get out of it because I know uh, the story of that you've told many times about American Woman, how it came to be while you were on stage trying to tune your guitar uh, in Kitchener, Ontario at a curling club, you've said. And and all of a sudden, you know, a, a sound check turns into one of the biggest hit songs of all time. So is keeping your creative, I, I, do you ever think you turn your creativity off? Is that important or should, or should you always have it on because you never know where the next connection is going to come from? Uh, it's always on. I mean, I'm writing a song right now in my head. <laughs> it's always on. Uh, ever since I was young, music's been in my head and it's also been in my children's heads. We're very lucky. And then they, so you sing this song. It's in your head. And somebody says, wow, that's really good. Did you make it up? And you go, I don't know. I think so. And that, that is your song until you get sued <laughs> by someone else. who, Because you're basically copying something that's in right. your, deep, deep in your brain. So every time you write a song, and I write a lot, I, I play for something. Have you heard this before? No, no, no. Okay, great. Then it's mine. <laughs> or if I play for my son, Tal, who's got the same musical knowledge and, and uh, encyclopedia in his head as me, he would say, oh, yeah, that's a thing from the Beatles. That's a thing from, you know, Hall and Oates or something like that. You've got to change that. You never throw it away. You change it. It's interesting. One of my favorite comedians is Billy Connolly, uh, the Scottish comedian, who's yeah. a great storyteller as well. And what, what he does masterfully is he'll tell a story about something that I, I've never experienced, you know, about like going to a Scottish football game or something. And he'll tell a story with references that I don't know, but he gives enough information that the story till, still makes sense and that there's still a huge payoff at the end. And his guide to doing comedy and performing is, I know what I'm going to say at the beginning. I have an idea what I'm going to say at the end. The middle's all up for grabs. He literally makes up 70% of his show. Yeah, if I did my show over and over, it would change every day. The con, the, the yes. middle, you have the beginning and the end, and the rest is uh, you kind of ad libbing as you're feeling the moment. Which segues perfectly into what you've been doing more recently and with your son, Tal. So we're going to talk about that. Friday Night Trainwreck started during the pandemic and now available on YouTube for anyone to consume. I was fascinated. I went down a wormhole because it was just like hanging out with two great musicians there's no pretense to it at all people send in questions you're playing you're playing songs for the first time you're you're not afraid to try to play a song for the first time in front of however many thousands of people are tuned in it's got an it's got the most genuine vibe of of anything i've ever seen wow by by a real pro legend you know what i mean lots of lots of people have genuine vibes but they're not good yours is well, thank you yours is backed you. by actual talent so how how has that been working with your son tal well it's been wonderful here we were stuck here yeah uh, him and coco his partner they lived in victoria and she was doing stuff on a movie set like makeup and hair and they all got let go everything got shut down but she came home and said, look, I've got three cameramen and two sound guys. Why don't you and Tal do a, a YouTube broadcast? I'll oh, forget about it. I don't want to get into that. Well, why don't you just do one? Well, I don't know what to do. Let's just goof around. Let's do yeah. Wayne's World unrehearsed. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, so Tal brought, as you know, five or six songs that I kind of had heard in my lifetime. But I'm 25 years older than him, right? When he was born, I was uh, I, I was 25. And so... When I bring five or six songs, he might have heard them, but he's never played Johnny Be Good or, and I've right. never played Bohemian Rhapsody, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. So we would kind of stump each other. And we did one show, and I thought, this is a train wreck. It's like, <laughs> this is embarrassing. And then we started to get email from people that said, it's so good to see you guys, who we believe are pros, and we, uh, we are, <laughs> we making, mis making, making mistakes because we know everything on the radio. Had been sung 20 or 30 times, played your solo 20 or 30 times. You pick the best words and the best licks out, and we hear perfection on the radio right. because it's biblical. It lasts forever. Once it's in stone and played on the radio, that's it forever. But you guys showing up there, like almost playing dark naked, making mistakes. We sit there with our guitars and play along with you. And when it's in the wrong key, we try to change key with you and keep up with you because we didn't know what we were doing. And out of that, we did a whole year of shows. It's amazing. We got offered to do an, ash, uh, an album out of Nashville called Backman and Backman, the first father-son album, which we've got done now. And on, on, after we recorded the album in June, 
uh, we, we weren't doing the YouTube because we were, we were down in the uh, state of Washington recording an album with Ryan Adlock, which turned out to be a great album called right. uh, Shadows of Yesterday. And it's a retrospective album. Sal and I wrote and played and sang together. When that comes out, it's going to be a really an amazing album. And out of that came, let's do one more YouTube and say we're back. And I went, I, I, I said, <laughs> okay, I grabbed my Orange Gretz guitar. When I didn't know what to say, Sal, Sal was going to be doing that, but his guitar broke. He couldn't plug it in. So I did this one time alone. I'm there with my orange scratch. So I hold it up and I say, this is the guitar that was stolen from me oh in God. 1976. <laughs> and it was found in Japan. So some guy found it. So now my guitar story, the lost and found guitar, the Gretsch guitar, has now been found by a guy in Japan. He's going to trade me back. I had to find his twin. And so we're working on that right now. So Tal and I are working on that. That's going to be a television special. <laughs> and the music that we did as the album is Blackman and Blackman. It's going to be part of the soundtrack to the movie. And Tal's whole theory that he pitched out to the guys who were doing the movie was, Dad, you had this magic guitar. You bought this when you were like 18 or 19 in Winnipeg. You wrote and played and sang. These eyes laughing, undone, no sugar, no time American woman, let it ride, taking care of business. Hey, you, ain't seen nothing yet, looking out for number one, four-wheel drive, on and on. Then the guitar was stolen. With that guitar, you wrote and hit number one with albums and singles, and you haven't hit it ever since. <laughs> Interesting. That is so, very... Wow. Are you superstitious? Right. Are you superstitious, right. Randy? I am now. Okay. Because he said, now when we, get, <laughs> when we get it back, which will probably be in like this summer, because we haven't been able to travel to Japan, right. we can't even talk to this guy who has my guitar. He's Japanese. So luckily, my daughter-in-law, Coco, who set this up, she sets it up and she translates for it. So I'm going to go trade my guitar with this guy, Takeshi, and get my guitar back and be on on the film. Uh, yeah, everybody that, wants to follow us now. Every yeah, yeah. TV station, radio, and guitar player magazine, they all want to come because this is a 50-year return of a guitar I thought was lost. So oh, it into I a love great this story. Thing, so. yeah. I cannot wait to watch it. And yeah. Working with Tal is great. I've been working with him since he was born. True, true. Although the yeah. strings, the strings have gotten different. I know. I'm gonna. We're gonna. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to give away too much too early because I have a feeling we might cover more of this with the second guest when I bring them on today. We'll be right back. Listeners, as we mentioned before, this season, Steve and I are going to take a moment to shine a mini spotlight on someone we think Canada and the world should know more about. This week, I'd like to shine that mini spotlight on a new Canadian author, Meredith Hambrook. Here's the scoop. I had the pleasure of writing with this funny woman on a TV show called Cornegas Animated. And now Meredith has a brand new novel coming out called Other People's Secrets. Here's the blurb. Baby's down and could be out for good when she faces off with forces bent on turning her lakeside paradise into a living hell. Early reviews have called other people's secrets clever and endlessly compelling. The book is available right now for pre-order through Penguin Random House. And how cool would it be if this little spotlight gave Meredith a massive boost in pre-sales? So come on, Canada, let's support a fabulous new Canadian author. Check out the show notes for a link to the pre-sales of Other People's Secrets by Meredith Hamra. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Want to teach your kids financial literacy but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. And now back to the podcast. Just have to get to a quick section, a quick section, if you don't mind, Randy, called Quick Questions. Quick Questions. Question number one. How many guitars do you currently own? If you know how many you have, you don't have enough. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's a great answer. That's a great answer. (laughs) Given uh, I'm going to sneak this one in. Given your love of guitar, how disappointed on a scale of one to ten would you have been if your son had become a professional hockey player? Uh, I would be happy if my son was a professional anything. Yeah. Uh, he went to college, and I kept saying, you're the best musician I know. You're the greatest songwriter I know. Get out of college. <laughs> and he'd go, what? <laughs> you're the only father yeah. who's not pushing me to go to college. <laughs> you're the, that's the greatest fatherly advice I know. Follow what and you're then, great at. Then he had to come out by accident. He was in college. I had, a, I had a stupid drummer. When you're in my band, you can't skydive or do stupid things. I had a drummer who was riding a motorcycle and broke his leg. So when you oh, break no. your leg, you can't be a drummer. Right. So I called Cal, Cal in college and said, I need you to come and drum with me. I'm doing a tour right now. And he came, he quit and he came and became my drummer. Now he's my co-conspirator uh, in this new Bachman Bachman band, playing guitar, singing, writing the songs, doing harmonies, doing his own leads. I'm having a great time playing with him. He sounds pretty great. I hope we get to talk to him someday soon. Um, you better talk to him real soon. <laughs> is there such a thing as trying too hard? Is there such a thing as trying too hard? No, there's such a thing as giving up. Okay. You got to keep trying. You got to keep the rock rolling. You got to keep pushing. Do not have no in your vocabulary. Do, do not have the word, I can't do it. The minute you say, I can't do it, guess what? You can't do it. You've already convinced yourself you can't. You're making excuses that you can't do it. Randy, why are you looking My, at me when you say this? I was just asking a quick question. I know all about you. <laughs> <laughs> that went right into my soul, the way you said These that. questions are self-revelatory. You're revealing your real self. I think I am. I'm asking for me, I guess. I just have a, to fill in the blanks real quick. The Canadian star system is blank. Correct. Correct. Okay. Blank. Blank. No, sorry. It is blank. The fill in the blank is blank. That's perfect. A final fill in the blanks. And then we meet our second guest. Living as a Canadian, living next door to the United States is like. Well, I always make a joke that I wrote a song that Bruce Springsteen stole. Mine was called Born Near the USA. (laughs) Born near the USA in Winnipeg. <laughs> Let's meet our guest that you brought, please. My guest is Talmadge Charles Robert Bachman, known as Tal Bachman, my oldest son, and part of Bachman Bachman, the the new band, the new album, and the new um, story of the Lost and Found guitar that's coming out. And he's here with us today, and I'm happy that he's here. He's a talented singer, songwriter, drummer, fabulous guy. There he is. And there, Yay, and there, there he is, Tal. Hello. Thank you for joining us. Uh, first question, obviously, what's it like to get an introduction like that from your dad? I'm asking for myself. I've had far worse introductions, so that was great. <laughs> no kidding. Mo- most of the time, no in- no introduction, not because one wasn't necessary, but because there was no one around. No one to do um, it. <laughs> no one to do it. Randy's spoken about, you know, the, the joy of working with you and getting together over the pandemic and, and now going out, making an album, going out on tour together. What's it like from your perspective to be able to tour with your dad? 
Lots of fun. Um, I mean, I first toured with dad in the 90s as his drummer, as he was mentioning. <laughs> I I lucked out when his drummer fell off a motorcycle and broke his ankle. Um, <laughs> were um, you at all responsible no, for that I mean, accident? Where were you on that day, <laughs> sir? <laughs> well, it can now be revealed that I... No, I... <laughs> no, I... Well, I mean, the timing was pretty good because I, like dad said, I was down at university and I, you know, I, I was, you know, very curious about all, all sorts of things. And I I wanted to get some sense of how the world worked. But when that accident happened was was kind of when I was... I felt like I'd gotten what I had gone to university to get, you know, enough and, and I needed to kind of move on. So that was good timing. So I toured with dad. That was lots of fun. I was playing drums. So drums are lots of fun. You know, you, you're, you're Keith Moon every night and (laughs) you're powering the band and, you know, you have, I guess you would say you have an outsized influence on, on the volume and obviously the tempo and everything. So, so that's lots of fun. And then, you know, many years went by and then, um, something else happened. Um, and I, I came back a few years ago to just fill in for a couple of shows when dad's other guitar player couldn't make it. And so I filled in on guitar and then they just kept me on. So it's been lots of fun. And everyone knows that, and this is extremely rare. I don't know that there's another father son duo that both of you have actually had top hits on billboard. Obviously, your massive hit, and I'm doing everything I can to not just sing it to you like an idiot right now. But, <laughs> um, but she's so high, such a massive, massive hit. So you've obviously got the same touch. Do do you? Uh, sort of the same question I had for your dad. Once you've written a hit like that, do you do you think back to it all the all the time, or do you just think forward? You're like, nope, I had that. That's just something that happened, and I'll move forward now. I imagine that there are people that have, have kind of gotten into the bigs with, with a big song and then they kind of want to live there. But I don't think I've ever met one hmm. because you, you know, you feel rightly or wrongly that you've got a lot more hits in you. So, you know, if you can imagine, you know, if you can imagine sort of you, you, you got into the starting lineup at the baseball game, you got up to the plate, hit a home run. So now you're batting a thousand and you hit a home run. <laughs> You cross the home plate and then the manager won't let you bat again. Right. And so, you know, and you're like, well, what? I got more hits in me. You know, that was not a fluke, but they kind of won't let you and you can't really get a straight answer. So there's, so it's not just me. It's if you've had 50, you know, you know, 15 big hits or something. And then all of a sudden, you know, okay, let me just pause for a second. I'll try to make this quick. I mean, one, one of the things that I heard dad talking about although he didn't put it in quite these words, is that, you know, when you're kind of on the outside, you always think that these business decisions are driven by kind of pure cold reason and, and calculation and numbers and, pro, you know, what are the, you know, how much money can we make on this? And what, like, let's look at the past. And, and often they're not really based on any reasoning at all. It's, 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 you know, guys, you know, you can't get explanations. Why did, you know, why did they terminate this? Why did they release somebody from a contract? Why did they forcibly retire somebody who, who you know, who had a big audience and you can't get a straight answer. And the, right. the, 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 so, so you, you sort of get, you know, you, you, you become, I don't want to say victim is kind of a strong word, but you're sort of at the mercy of decisions that don't really make any sort of sense. And so you want to just get back. You just want to get back to the plate. And you know that when you can get back there, you're going to hit another double or a home run or something. So th- I, I don't think that's just how I feel. I think it's how everybody feels. This does go towards the the way the music business has changed as well. Obviously, your dad came up putting out vinyl and then CDs. So there was you know a new life for the music all the time. And now with streaming services, it it seems like it does seem like bands want to get out there. Obviously, they haven't been able to the last couple of years, but it seems like performers need to get back out there to make the money because the streaming service pays somehow a fraction less than the than the radios did in in the heyday of radio. So, is, is that the 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 truth as far as you know? Performers need to be out there performing. They can't rely on on a on a hit kind of propelling them forward anymore. Well, I guess it. I guess it depends on the performer, but I mean, one of the things that I've seen with musicians up and down the, the, the kind of the chain from like the local kind of regular gigging cover guy and, and the local bar to kind of big names is, 
I, I mean, a huge, you know, my, my view of it is listening to everybody talk is that, you know, a huge part of their sense of meaning and identity and purpose for existing has been taken from them. Yes. So there's, there's a point there where, you know, yes, you always have to worry about the money and paying bills and stuff, but there's something deeper than that. Like you just want to get out and play. It's an, it's the NASCAR guy that, you know, that, that for some reason can't compete for a year and a half. And then you see him at the County fair driving it, you know, right. I mean, (laughs) there's that sort of impulse, right. You know, he just wants to go race, you know, that's happened a few times with some of these big racers. Not that I follow racing, but it's the same idea, you know, so you could be playing in front of 20,000 people every night and then you, you're not allowed to play at all. Now, when you're playing in front of 200, it's great. You're back in your element. So I don't know if that answers your question. I d- well, I think it did. Like you two, you two play off each other so well, and you both have obviously an encyclopedic knowledge of music and instrumentation in different ways. And by the way, this is the longest I've ever seen Randy not talk. I'm not sure if his screen is frozen or if he's just listening to us. Cause I've never, I've, it's freaking me out. He's staring at me. He's not saying anything. He's reading you, Steve. He, he is reading me. It's yeah, the questions. He's exploring every molecule of your body. Just it's like the questions before, I like- asked the YouTube, the train wreck series, which is now yeah. kind of spawned into, you know, a tour. I, I just love the spontaneity of it and the, and the no fear to make yeah we're going to make some mistakes on this but it somehow is the charm of the show that you're launching these things on each other who do you think is who do you think's having a better time i guess cuz you both look pretty equal on it do you know how easy it is to show up and make mistakes yes yeah. i do have you ever yeah. seen me work <laughs> everybody can do it so it's just it's just a normal thing for us <laughs> yeah i mean, i think we're i think both of us might be having more fun than than some of the viewers because you know we're we're in the middle of it and we're trying to i, I mean i i don't know maybe maybe it's tedious for some of the people that watching i don't know but as dad said I, it seems like most people enjoy watching you i mean it's basically a, a, a series of mini, miniature pratfalls except they're not planned you know it's not chris farley and he, we right. already know he's going to crash through the coffee table you're actually trying but well, one of the other things is, I, I mean, there is a kind of fun, sweet spot where you've done a lot of prep as a professional musician. You've practiced for thousands of hours. You've gone and you've studied a million songs. And so you've really put a lot of time into your craft. But if you if you spend your life, you know, worried about making a mistake all the time, you know, and you're just wound up and anxious. I mean, it's not fun anymore. So there, it, 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 it is kind of fun to be able to kind of get through a song but without really caring all that much <laughs> and, and trusting, hoping that something else about your performance is going to kind of carry it through, even though you just hit a couple of Neil Young notes that are, you know, wildly wrong. I mean, that's Neil Young's <laughs> all, whole thing. I mean, obviously Neil doesn't care that much about playing wrong notes, right? But that's kind of part of his thing and it's fun you go watch i mean you go watch neil young to see what kinds of wrong notes he's going to play during a solo well in addition to all the great songs of course so i'll ask one more question and this is one you probably haven't been asked in a while tal maybe not ever because we like to ask questions that no one else does on the video for she's so high at one point the the woman that's the star that's the uh the main uh, character in the video hands balloons to a little girl and the little girl floats away and she never reemerges in that video, Tal. So, <laughs> what what happened to that little girl? Do you think is she still is she still floating around up there? I I guess it's to be continued, isn't it? <laughs> you know, we need the sequel. We do. We, we can do. go track that girl down. I don't even remember what you're talking about because I I don't even think I've watched that video. Oh, more geez, than once we'll or watch twice, it. It's a great. It's a great yeah, video. We'll have to get the cast back together and shoot the sequel. Please, please, if you could do a cover. She's call, call the song She's Even Higher Now. When we do a Bachman Bachman video, look in the first one and you'll see a girl standing near with balloons. She will have grown up. <laughs> yeah. We'll have her grow up. We could probably She'll track her down. There in the background. I, I love it. Just a little Easter egg in there, guys. That would be great. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Canadian Star System, gentlemen. And we, we, uh, it's, it's an honor to interview you two together. Thanks for having and us. Thanks. We, we, we want to come back and visit you in about six months when the movie's <laughs> ready and our album's ready. Please yes, do. Please I, do. Oh, yeah. I want to look for that little girl with the balloons. I hope that you take that now. Just a little nugget. I, I think I can't be alone in wondering. 
Thanks for listening, everyone. If you like the show, please subscribe or follow us for free wherever you get your podcasts. The Canadian Star System is produced by Diana Francis and Steve Patterson in association with the Apostrophe Podcast Network. If you'd like more information on today's guests, please visit our website at canadianstarsystem.ca where you can find links to their work and their socials. Speaking of socials, you can follow at Canadian Star Pod and at Apostrophe Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our editor and sound technician is Donovan Deschner of Fracture of Femur Productions. Music by Mark Camilleri of Imagine Sound Studios. Special thanks to Terry O'Reilly, Debbie O'Reilly, Callie O'Reilly, and Nancy Patterson, who is an honorary O'Reilly. And since you're doing such a good job of listening to the credits, there's a bonus clip for you after Steve sings it out. So give it up to these good because our self-promotion sucks. And if they all went away, we sure wouldn't miss them. The Canadian Star System. Can I just say that coming out of two years with, uh, you know, my children at home, I don't know that I would hit the road with them this heavily. So I, uh, I really admire that you are, are such kindred spirits that you're bringing, uh, you know, a familial joy to everything that you're doing. I hope everyone gets to see Bachman and Bachman in particular in concert. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure Burton will bring his game too. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.